0: By looking at the Federal Register or analogous state publication, you gain a much better appreciation of the background behind introduction of the regulation in terms of what the agency was thinking, in that there is usually a robust discussion of the agency thought process. Moreover, it becomes even more interesting when the agency receives comments on the proposed regulation. In a subsequent publication, the agency carefully discusses the comments that were received and whether they agreed or disagreed with them, overall, this is probably the most overlooked, helpful tool that we have at our disposal to better understand not only regulations, but pharmacy law in general. I see my victory so clear. I see my victory so clear.
1: Up, Fit Farm fam. Welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, where we empower you to make a breakthrough and dispense your full potential. My name is Dr. Adam Martin, and I'm your host for the podcast. I've been a practicing full time community pharmacist since I graduated pharmacy school back in 2012. I'm also a professional speaker, author, and lover of living life to the fullest. The Fit Pharmacist community exists to serve you to dispense your full potential by learning from our world-class guests on how to practically apply simple solutions to not only elevate your pharmacy career, but nail your nutrition, master your mindset, and fit fitness into pharmacy through simple solutions to guide you to live a fulfilled life with passion and purpose. Thank you for being here. Now, let's dive into this week's new episode. My class is the most important one you will have as a pharmacy student. Likely, this is what every pharmacy professor thinks and feels because they are so passionate about what they teach. However, there is in fact one class that does supersede the rest of them because if you do not successfully apply what you learn, you legally will not be able to practice any of the others if you do not successfully apply pharmacy law and pass the MPJE after graduation, you legally won't be able to practice any niche in pharmacy. That is why I am so excited to introduce to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare podcast an expert on pharmacy law because he in fact teaches it at two schools of pharmacy in the United States and has used his expertise to help prepare pharmacy students to best apply pharmacy law and successfully pass the MPJE, which is exactly what we're going to talk about in today's episode. I am really excited to introduce to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare podcast, Jerry Machino, RPH Esquire, who teaches pharmacy law at Wilkes University Nesbitt School of Pharmacy and Jefferson University College of Pharmacy. He has devoted much of his professional life to assisting students to pass the MPJE exam. He graduated from Temple University School of Pharmacy and Temple University Beasley School of Law. He has enjoyed a varied pharmacy and law career, including operating his own pharmacy and serving as director of the Medicare Part D appeals and the eligibility appeals related to the Affordable Care Act. He also serves on many community boards, and now he is here with us today to share his expertise in helping you pass the MPJE. Jerry, welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: I am really excited to dive into this because looking back when I was a pharmacy student, we're getting ready to graduate, we're taking the boards, and there's two main exams. There's the NAPLEX, the drug information, but then there's the MPJE. The exam where you know, there's four or five answer choices, and two or three of them could be the right answer, and you don't know which one's right. And there's a lot of stress and anxiety on that exam because depending on the outcome can really determine whether or not you graduate and you, you pass that exam and start practicing right away, or there's a longer waiting period. So literally, that is the rate limiting step, if you will, for being able to practice as a pharmacist. And uh, I'm really honored to have you here uh, today on the podcast to share your best practice tips because you have so much experience with that. So thank you so much for making the time and for being with us here today. Sure. So that brings us to our first question. The number one thing pharmacy students want to do after they graduate is pass the exam. And I find that there is a lot more anxiety riding on passing the MPJE compared to the NAPLEX. Uh, So that brings me to the first question, is how can pharmacy students best prepare for the MPJE exam?
0: Adam, that's a very good question. And I hope after today, students can walk away with a sense that they at least have a, a blueprint or a game plan to attack the MPJE. Probably the most important thing for students to remember is to use the NABP competency statements as a guide. And I can't emphasize this enough. They are truly the blueprint for the exam. And quite simply, if a topic isn't included in the competency statements, then it won't be covered on the MPJE exam. The competency statements can be accessed on the NABP website at www.nabp.net. Once you're on the website, you click on the MPJE program And then you can download the NAPLEX-MPJE application bulletin, which contains the competency statements. Equally as important is to pay attention to the relative percentages of the three main coverage areas, namely area one, which is pharmacy practice, area two, which is licensure registration, certification, and operational requirements, and three, general regulatory processes. The most important of these is pharmacy practice, since it makes up 83% of the exam. So just think about that. This is really the bulk of your study, where it should be. And as the name suggests, this area deals with the day-to-day practice of pharmacy, covering such topics as legal responsibilities of pharmacy personnel, in areas such as inventory and loss and or theft of prescription drugs, They also cover acquisition and distribution of pharmaceuticals, issuance of prescriptions, proper dispensing procedures, offers to counsel, dispensing of non-prescription products, record-keeping, and handling of hazardous materials under USP 800, which became effective on December 1st, 2019. And since that just went into effect, you can be sure that you would be getting some questions on USP 800. What I would strongly suggest is for students to convert the actual competency statements and their subtopics to an Excel spreadsheet. From there, and to make studying a little more productive and fun, challenge yourself to make up questions that you think you might face on the MPJE exam based upon the competency statements and the subtopics on the Excel spreadsheet with a special emphasis on pharmacy practice section, which, as I already mentioned, makes up 83% of the exam. The licensure registration, certification, and operational requirements section comprises 15% of the exam. And the miscellaneous section, general regulatory processes, comprises just 2% of the exam. Another passion of mine is to reinforce to students for them not to think in terms of federal law versus state law. By separating the two, it makes studying for the exam that much harder. The laws in a given jurisdiction are simply that. An MPJE question will never, ever state, under federal law, XYZ applies, but what applies in this jurisdiction? My advice is for students to grasp the federal law at the same time as the state law, by understanding any more stringent applications of state law. I'll give you an example. Most states largely follow federal rules for conducting a controlled substance inventory, but some states are more stringent in requiring an annual versus a biennial inventory or requiring signatures of those taking the inventory, which is not required under federal law. I would also like to remind students that mid-level practitioner prescriptive authority is covered on the MPJE, but this information is not typically available from the Board of Pharmacy. And they may have to research this information on the respective board websites of the mid-level practitioners. For example, they would go to the Board of Nursing website for information on CRNP prescriptive authority. Another potential source of valuable information can be found on the respective state board websites. I would advise searching every nook and cranny of the website for any special notices, frequently asked question sections, and even forms. And last but not least, if the Board of Pharmacy publishes a newsletter, be sure to look at not just the recent issue, but the last several years of that publication. All state board newsletters can be found on the NABP website which, as I mentioned before, is www.nabp.net. That pretty much summarizes my high-level suggestions, but I would encourage anyone who has additional questions to contact me at jmush, that's J-M-U-S-H, at mpjemadeeasy.com.
1: Those are exceptional overviews of resources we have, Jerry, so thank you for sharing that. Now, if you guys heard his email address, which I will have in the show notes below so that you can easily reach out to him, he mentioned his URL, which is MPJE Made Easy. So uh, with working with pharmacy students in, through many years of practice, you have probably seen many people get really worked up and overwhelmed, not just with where to find the answers in best preparing for the MPJE, but there's a lot of, I guess you could say legal jargon that is not in most students' uh, realm of vocabulary. So they feel overwhelmed, they feel lost, and they feel like there's so much to know without knowing what exactly to specialize. Now, with the advice that you just gave, with what you just shared, that really helps us to narrow down what to look on and what to focus with regards to the competency statements and the relative percentage of the three main coverage areas. But something that you have done to really be of service to students and really simplify that process, you have created resources to help students succeed in addition to what's available. Um, So I'd really enjoy you to share what those are and how you came to create those resources to help students succeed and successfully pass the MPJE.
0: Sure. I have several products that are available on my website, which is www.mpjemadeeasy.com. And again, they are based on the competency statements. What I said earlier about the competency statements for the being the blueprint for the exam, I take very seriously in developing any products because I want the products that I present to be a mirror of what the students will actually experience on their MPJE exam. But before I discuss those products, I wanted to issue a general disclaimer. MPJE is a federally registered trademark owned by the National Associations of Boards of Pharmacy, or NABP. Any of my MPJE Made Easy preparatory products are in no way authorized or sponsored by NABP. So I wanted to make that perfectly clear from the outset. My MPJE Made Easy business is limited to Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And for each state, I have a mock exam that parallels the actual MPJE exam in terms of content and length, and I also have an online manual. The exams, rest assured, have plenty of the difficult select-all-that-apply questions, which are more and more prevalent, and quite honestly, the cause of the overall decline in test scores in recent years, and that's on a national level. So, the more practice that you can get with these types of questions, the better. The corresponding manual is a very comprehensive compilation of both federal and state law, and it's available as a traditional online manual, but it's also available as an iBook, which many students prefer. The manual is set up where the federal law is in the middle of the page, and any more stringent state regulations are immediately alongside it in a text box, which would typically say something like, please note, in this state, the regulations are more stringent in that, and then I would describe the more stringent aspect. This underscores what I stated earlier, that it makes so much more sense to learn federal and state regulations on the same topic at the same time. Some other interesting features of the manual are that it has a lot of hyperlinks to relevant documents and also has word search capability. The manuals also include information on mid-level practitioner prescriptive authority. For Pennsylvania and New Jersey, I also have an MPJE prep audio product of approximately five hours in length, both for Pennsylvania and New Jersey. The content mirrors that of the manuals, but I make it available because some students learn more easily by listening compared to reading. One additional service that I offer with my products is that I encourage students to email questions to me related to my study materials. Many students do take advantage of this, and it is especially gratifying to me to receive emails from students who have passed their exams that say to me that they couldn't have done it without the guidance and support Provided through this additional emails. I have also an affiliation with Exam Master, where I am preparing mock MPJE exams for additional states. While there are no manuals or audios affiliated with Exam Master, I continue to add to the mock exam list. Currently I have written additional exams for Florida, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Missouri, New Mexico, New York, Ohio and Texas, and continue to add to that list. The Exam Master website is www.exammaster.com. And while that summarizes the available resources, anyone can feel free to contact me again at the JMUSH at MPJE Made Easy address and Even if your state wasn't listed in in any of the states that I listed, either on the MPJE Made Easy site or Exam Master, still feel free to reach out for me because I am sure I can still provide some general high-level guidance for anyone who's really stuck on a particular state, wondering if a certain aspect of a regulation will be tested or not. So even if your state, again, is not mentioned, feel free to reach out me with any questions that you might have.
1: That's exceptional. Thank you for going over that. And I can only imagine the countless hours that have gone into not only taking that material and organizing it, but doing it in a streamlined process so that students can easily engage with that and really work through that material so they can feel best prepared, along with the mock exams that you've done, and then also offering that huge value piece of having your accessibility through email to answer those questions and help students that might get stuck on a certain topic or question to guide them through that process. So I think that's really an amazing value and service that you do not only to pharmacy students, but to our profession. I'm so excited to present to you Gen Z Pharmacist. This book has been in the works for four years and not only will walk you through in a step-by-step format how to dominate pharmacy school, and script your dream career but it also includes 22 interviews from the most impactful professionals in our profession you know one of the first things i thought of as i read through this book was wow i wish i would have had this available to me in pharmacy school and i graduated back in 2008 but what an incredible timeless resource that is all about how to make the most out of your time as a pharmacy student, and how to really prepare yourself and get ready to make that transition into new practitioner life. Hey guys, I am just checking out this book by Dr. Adam Martin. It goes through some great examples of some successful pharmacists uh, to really give you some great inspiration as you're thinking about what you want to do when you finish pharmacy school. So it's a great book for you to check out and um, hope all of the pharmacy students will get a copy and be prepared for the Gen Z pharmacist. Now, the final question that I do have for you really comes down to your experience because law is your life, like that's your expertise. And I think uh, all of you listening can really agree with that. This is definitely a true passion that this man has. So with that being said, you are an expert and professor of pharmacy law at two schools of pharmacy. So with that being said, I'm sure that you get a lot of questions, you hear about legal situations, and you've seen a lot in your career. So with all of that experience, are there any best practice tips that you can suggest to either pharmacy students about to graduate or newly licensed pharmacists in the profession that you would deem as must-know or things to avoid?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Adam. And I would like to reserve this opportunity for anyone who's listening to explain what I consider one of the best-kept secrets in pharmacy law that would greatly benefit students and pharmacists as well. Namely, that the background of any given regulation is usually fleshed out in great detail. You just need to know where to look for it. When an agency such as the State Board of Pharmacy, the DEA, or the FDA proposes a regulation, they provide notice in a given publication to those who will be affected by the regulation and provide them an opportunity to comment on the proposed regulation. For proposed federal regulations of the FDA and the DEA, the notice is published in the Federal Register. For proposed State Board of Pharmacy regulations, there is a state publication that is analogous to the Federal Register. In Pennsylvania, that publication is the Pennsylvania Bulletin, and for New Jersey, the publication is the New Jersey Register. All other states do have a similar publication, which might be known by a similar name or under a bulletin or a register. When you look at a final regulation, sometimes you wonder what the board or agency was thinking when they drafted it, since final regulations have no additional discussion. By looking at the federal register or analogous state publication, you gain a much better appreciation of the background behind introduction of the regulation In terms of what the agency was thinking in that there is usually a robust discussion of the agency thought process. Moreover, it becomes even more interesting when the agency receives comments on the proposed regulation. In a subsequent publication, the agency carefully discusses the comments that were received and whether they agreed or disagreed with them Overall, this is probably the most overlooked helpful tool that we have at our disposal to better understand not only regulations, but pharmacy law in general. So, when a new regulation is promulgated, you should really research the background of the regulation to get a much better appreciation of the reasoning behind it. At the end of any DEA regulation, for example, there would be a reference to the underlying Federal Register. And for any State Board of Pharmacy regulation in Pennsylvania, for example, there would be a reference to the underlying Pennsylvania Bulletin. If individuals listening to the podcast today only remember one thing, namely this relationship between a regulation and the underlying documentation and the wealth of understanding that can come from looking at the underlying publications, then I think that listening to the podcast would certainly have been worth it. And I wanted to present today, and remind listeners that they can reach out to me at any time for any additional questions that they might have.
1: That's absolutely phenomenal advice and definitely something that is invaluable for pharmacy students, or if you're a pharmacist looking to get licensed in other states, or you're looking to move as a potential, this is definitely a resource and a man that you really would, I would recommend connecting with because of not only his expertise, but his genuine passion for helping pharmacy students to make that a success. So I just want to acknowledge you again, Jerry, for all the amazing work that you do for students and our profession, because you can't practice pharmacy until you get certified and pass that MPJE exam. So that really is uh, the bottleneck or rate limiting step to being able to practice as a pharmacist. So with that being said, thank you so much for all that you do.
0: Thanks again for having me.
1: My pleasure. Guys, this is Dr. Adam Martin of the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast signing off with the Jerry Machino. Go forth, be great, and dispense your full potential. Thank you so much for listening through to the end of that episode. I hope you're going to share this all across social media. Let people know that you're subscribed to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Let me know. Post it. Tell me how it's impacted your pharmacy career and life. I would love to see your thoughts. I can't wait for this amazing and passionate community we're creating of leaders in healthcare. You're now a part of the movement, a part of the family. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to share the next episode with you.